0: and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission-free. How much money does Amazon owe you?
1: I know enough to be dangerous, but you know, at the end of the day, if you break it down like engineering, that's exactly what it is. You solve problems that haven't been solved before. You figure things out that you're like, okay, you know, how can I make product a better? How can I make product, you know, what, what can I do to this to make it, you know, fit in your hand more ergonomically? How can I make this? So it cuts better. How can I make this? So inject any verb that you want. So like, how do you make it better? That's, that's exactly what it is. You figure out something, you, you take a problem, you find a solution for it. That's the practice that you do. You know, you know, you practice Monday through Friday, Saturdays are game day. You have five days to correct all your mistakes and then Saturday is game day where you, you try putting it all together. Here at work, you know, we're a room full of engineers. If we don't know how to do something, you want to know what we do? We Google it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the
2: Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs David Shomer and Ken Wilson.
0: Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Ethan Baczynski, an engineer that is just beginning his journey in the e commerce space. Ethan played Division I football at Western Illinois University and then continued his education at the University of Iowa, where he earned his Bachelor of Science in Engineering in Mechanical Engineering. In the last year, Ethan has leveraged his engineering skills to create products using a CNC machine and 3D printer. Welcome to the show, Ethan. First things first, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, Dave and Ken, thank you
1: so much for having me on a little bit about myself. I always hate this question because I, my dad always, always talked about like, if you ever talk about yourself, you're being what he calls a prima donna. (laughs) He's like, don't ever talk about yourself. And he was, he was always big, like your actions speak louder than words. So I, I always hate this question. But like you said, I, I, was, I was actually a two-sport athlete at Western Illinois. I did football and track and field. Fair, um, that's right. Yes. Yes. So I, I was a two-sport athlete. I was a, I was, I was a thrower. I was not, I'm not very fast. So I was, I was a thrower at Western Illinois. I went there because, like every high school athlete, I wanted to go play in the pros, which clearly did not happen as why I am working as an engineer <laughs> now today. But, yeah, I pursued my dream uh, of playing football and i chose football over the academics and it was right about my my end of my junior year maybe my senior year when i was like all right i really need to hunker down and figure out what i want to do with the rest of my life because like i said athletics is not going to happen for me after after college or continuing you know onto the next level so i i i had talked to my father and i had said you know he's like what do you love to do he's like what do you like what are you good at and i was like well I like to hunt and fish. I like to be outdoors. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, you know, they're not really doing anything in that. So he's like, what are you good at? I was like, I'm good at math and science. And he's like, okay, go be an engineer. And i had always loved, you know, solving problems, you know, like tinkering is what I, I consider myself. I'm a tinkerer. So I, you know, I I went down the road of, of engineering and I decided on mechanical engineering because it's such a, it is a very broad spectrum in the engineering world because there's so many disciplines you can go into. And I feel that the mechanical aspect of engineering encompasses most everything. So like that saying goes like jack of all trades, master of none. I'd like to think that I'm a master or a jack of all trades and a master of none, but so yeah. And then while I was at the university, I was a teaching assistant in the manufacturing lab and I ran the CNC, which stands for computer numerical control, the CNC lab, which also encompassed our 3d printing. So I, that's how I kind of got my start in running a CNC machine and a 3d printer. And I graduated, got a job. And when the pandemic hit, I had a lot more free time on my hands. So some stuff got cut at work and I had some free time and I was like, you know what? I'm bored. I want to do something more. So I, I bought it. I bought a CNC machine and I got, I, I won a 3D printer actually on this website that I bought my CNC machine from. So I got, it was kind of like a, a two for one. So I got both of those. I got them set up and the rest is kind of history. I just, I, I had started talking to you and you had said like, hey, you can kind of do some of this stuff and, you know, sell it online. And I'm like, like we said, I'm in the beginning of my journey and just uh, plugging along, having fun while doing, doing it. So. That is a little bit about myself.
0: Now, for people that have no idea what you're talking about, when you say CNC, can you describe loosely what this looks like and what someone would use a CNC machine for?
1: Yes. So in layman's terms, a CNC is really, it's basically just a power drill or a router that is controlled using coordinates on a computer. And it, you basically, you, you draft something up in what's called CAD, which is computer animated drawing. You draw that up however you want, and you you can make anything you want. Signs, jewelry, little figurines, the possibilities are endless. You draw that up, you, then you, you export it to the software that then basically turns your drawing into just tens of millions of points on a, on a computer screen. And then you just basically hit start on, on your CNC machine and you just, it, It's just a drill that kind of runs around and, you know, wherever there's a point, it it drills a hole or carves it out. And my wife considers it super nerdy because I like, I get all giddy when it starts running. And I actually, you know, when I was first starting and getting back into it and kind of, kind of learning, I was like, I was making so many mistakes and she would just hear me just kind of like cuss in the background. I won't cuss on your podcast, but I do, I cuss like a sailor, (laughs) but yeah, she could hear me, but then she'd hear me. I'd be like, babe, babe, come here. Look at this. Come look at this. She'd come downstairs and she's like, oh, sweet, you drew a line. And I'm like, but I did it right. You know, <laughs> um, it's, you know, the, the taking something from just be, your imagination, drawing it on a computer screen and then actually bringing it to life is what really drew me to not only engineering, but to the to the, like the CNC world or like the computer based graphics design world, which in my full time career, I, I work as a product design. Engineer also, which the the e-commerce business is is supplementing my my hobbies and habits and helping me out with that.
0: That's
2: awesome.
1: Yeah, I really like I really
2: like that. Uh, well, for one that you that you won the 3D printer in a contest, that's pretty badass. Yeah, and two that you've kind of you know you've used your your skills and your passion to start a business. Mm-hmm. I I really like that. I think it's gonna it's gonna help you out long term for sure. Ethan, can you share a little bit about Kind of what your goals are for your business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So being in the beginning stages, I kind of, I'm trying to plan out exactly, you know, where I see myself and in any job interview, they always ask you like, what's your one year, your five year, your 10 year goal. And I'd always thought like in an interview, I was like, that's why, what is the point of that? It's like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to work, I'm going to get my, you know, I'm going to, in one year, I'll be where I'm going to be. In five years, I'll be where I'm going to be. In 10 years, I'll be where I'm going to be but thinking of it from like a business owner aspect it's like okay what do i want to do what do i what are my goals what do i need to accomplish in one year to reach step number 1 of that goal step number 2 of that goal so really my my goal right now is i'm i'm thinking in the one out to one year more hardly i'm thinking out to the one year to my one year plan right now and my goal for for one year is to get my my obviously get my etsy page to a point to where I think it's good enough to start scaling up, to start increasing my listings, to buy, to increase my manufacturing. Because right now my manufacturing is going to be once I there's a, it's a tipping point to where you start hitting your sales, to where you, how much you can manufacture. And I'm I'm at the point where I know how much I can manufacture, but if my sales start taking off and hitting that, I'm going to have to increase and expand into either. Right now I'm running it out of my basement. I'm going to have to either go into a shop or you know start demoing some walls in my house, which my wife would 100% not be happy about. So <laughs> yeah, my one-year goal is, is what I'm focusing on right now. And that, that's to, to just increase and increase the sales and the traffic to my website and, and scale up from what I'm at right now. So I'm, I would say right now I'm at the you know, the baby steps of everything of being like, okay, this is where this is where I'm at, I got to, you know, coddle this, coddle this baby to make sure I, I form it to what I want it to be. And then I can scale up from there. Once I set, you know, set the groundwork, then you can go.
2: Yeah, I really like that. And I like that, you know, you didn't come out with world domination, you know, with this, with this hundred stage, 10 year business plan. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we get tripped up on, on the too much. And I really like how you have honed in on what your goals are and you're at year one. And these are the things you need to do to get that. I I really like that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, one follow-up to that now you are a full-time engineer working and you're doing this in your, in your spare time. Now you have production uh, under control. And so when you get to that, so you have a number in mind of your machine, right? You have Mm -hmm. probably have just a limited amount of machines. And so when you get to that point, then you're, then you're basically in in stage two and, and obviously, well, not obviously, but I'm assuming is that once you get to a certain point with scale and, and, and you would kind of, Go full time, leave your job, things like that, or or do you see yourself doing both? Or
1: I I really love what I do for my full-time career right now. I do, I love having the freedom that my company gives me. So at, at this moment, I'm not thinking leaving my career right now. But, you know, the end game is obviously, you know, fire the man and you know, be my own boss and kind of take that and you know, if, if all these, you know, the stars align and my my dominoes are stacked up correctly, that, that should happen. But you know, there's always, there's those what ifs in the world that, you know, you can't plan for. And that's, you know, there's, there's always, there's risk and reward in everything that you do. And I'm planning for the future and I'm planning, you know, right now that I have a friend that has always said he, so I have a friend that played in the NFL and he had always said, you know, people would always say like, well, so he was not a drafted, he wasn't drafted in the NFL. He had always said, he's like, people would say to him like, well, what's your backup plan? What's your backup plan? What are you going to do if you don't make the team? What if you do if you don't make the team? And he had always said, and this has stuck with me for like the seven years that I've known him, is he's like, people that have a backup plan don't believe in themselves enough. And I, I, that had always stuck with me. And I was like, okay. So I'm like sitting here right now today talking to you. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't, I don't necessarily have a backup plan. Like my plan right now is to grow my business, get to the point to where I can run my business full time, you know, bring on more staff, do this scale up production and then, you know, go from there. And then hopefully, you know, the sky's the limit, because like I said, if you can think it with the CNC, you can make it same with the 3d printer. You can do, you know, almost any, anything you can think of. You can make those hands that are on Ken. I'm I'm looking at your screen right now. Yeah the hands on there like you can 3d print those, you can make those on a CNC. And there's some amazing videos out there on YouTube that I've found that have helped me, you know, hone my skills and be like, Oh my, I had no idea I could make that. You know, I had just thought about, if I'd only thought about it one way, a little slightly differently, that's, you know, how I, you know, was able to accomplish that. So, you know, short story long for your, for your question on, on the plan is, is, Yes, I would love to grow this to a point to where this this is my full time job and you know take it from there and hopefully hopefully the sky's the limit. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah. Now that's good. And and it sounds like you're in a, you're, you know, there's some people that are scrambling to try to figure things out. And it sounds like you're on the other side of the spectrum. Whereas Mm -hmm. you're, you have a very uh, stable career that you really like, you know, you have a good employer that you really like. And so this is just, so there's no pressure on you to do anything. Mm -hmm. This is kind of just doing it at your own pace. Now that's great. Yeah.
0: Ethan, one thing that I think makes your story unique is that you are going the self-manufacturing route Mm -hmm. and the typical business model in e-commerce is go over to China or wherever you source a product, you bring it into the country and then, and then you sell it. And so can you speak to, you know, what has been your experience there in the self-manufacturing space and, and how do you see, you know, on a go forward basis? iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below.
1: So there's a a couple points I want to talk on, on the self-manufacturing. And this, you know, I know there's a lot of people that they go out and they find somebody that to make their product for them. I am very much, I do this at my house and my wife hates this. I will never hire anybody to do anything in my house. (laughs) And my reasoning behind that is, is like, okay, I'm going to go pay. So for example, right now we have drywall. We have somebody that needs to come and do drywall. My wife wanted me to get a quote. So I was like, okay, like we'll get a quote. So guy comes, gives me a quote and I'm like, okay, that's, it's very, it is, it's expensive. Like it's more expensive than more money than I wanted to pay. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, what, what can I do? you know, how can I do this? So I went on, you know, I went on YouTube, I went and I looked online, I'm figuring out how to do this, like how to do, I have never, I've hung, I've patched drywall holes in my old college house. I've, you know, I've painted rooms. I've never done insulation. I've never done, you know, a tar roof. I've never, you know, done any of this, but I'm like, damn it. I'm going to figure out how to do it because if I hire somebody and I'm not happy with the job, I'm going to be pissed at them. I'm going to be happy like, okay, you, I overpaid you because you did a shitty job. Or whereas if I were to do it myself, the only person I can be upset with is myself. So that's kind of why I'm like, okay, I want to do the manufacturing because I can make the exact product that I want. I can make it to my own tolerances. I can make it out of whatever material I want. I can make it the size I want. I pretty much handle the power, like all of, all of the constraints there are in my power and I, I took on the manufacturing because I had the capability of doing it. I had the CNC machine. I had the you know, the knowledge of knowing like, okay, what does it take to manufacture X, Y, Z? I knew how to do that. I knew how to dra- draft things up. The other aspect of manufacturing that I like taking on myself is like, you're your own. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. You're your own worst enemy. Because being a one man or one person shop where I'm doing all my manufacturing, I'm doing, I'm kind of taking care of everything. I can't scale as quickly as somebody who's like, I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to get it from them. I'm not knocking on anybody that's doing that because that's a soup, that is a very smart business move. But I'm like, I am making the best possible product that I can make. And I think I'm the only one that can make it that way right now. And some people might think that's cocky, but you know, if, I, I don't know. I just, I think this is the route I want to take because I think I have the tools. I, I sound like a douche <laughs> by saying that. And I'm really sorry for that. But like, that's, that's the God's honest truth. Like I, I think that I have the skill enough to make it better than anyone because I know how this machine works. I know how to draw it up. I know how to draft it. I know how to, you know, I know the, there's the umbrella over everything. I, I can control all these parts and I know how to, manipulate these parts to make it all work.
0: I think in your case it makes a lot of sense to be in charge of the manufacturing, right? You know, in your in your day job, you know, you are working in that world. You have an interest in the CNC machine. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that in your case that it makes total sense. And yeah. that is your superpower, right? Like the design mm-hmm. in the, in the CNC and and so yeah, yeah I abs- I absolutely, you know, I've shared on this podcast uh, story of the cutting board company that I had yes, that lost money. And, and I ended up closing <laughs> down and, and that was an example of self-manufacturing. And we, we all go into that. I've went into it plenty of times <laughs> on previous podcasts, but yeah. you know, if you look at like a Steve jobs, you know, he was the one building the computer. Yeah. You know, there's this hunting brand that I like called mystery ranch
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the owner loves commercial sewing machines and he's, he still sews all the bags wow. and he's like a hands-on guy. And his mm-hmm. superpower is like different types of stitching and, and he makes just awesome products. Yeah. And and so you can point to a lot of examples where businesses start off self-manufacturing mm-hmm. and get that competitive edge.
1: Yes. The a couple other things I want to say, like like you said, if you have the capabilities of making it and you can, you know, come up with these different kinds of stitches or you can make something that's unique, by all means go do it. Also, with manufacturing when you start launching new products there's a lot of headaches that you know that i've run into with with some of the products that i make for people it's you know i i tell them like okay I, you know i give myself a deadline when i first started this i was like you know people would just kind of reach out to me and be like hey can you make this for me can you make this for me and i'm like sure i was like i could probably get it done in you know four days a time and that's you know getting the wood getting it plain down getting it you know put on the machine, getting it designed, getting it carved out, sanded, stained, finished, you know, the whole shebang. But you find, you know, when you're doing this, you're like, okay, this is hey, this is something I've never made before. So you're gonna make a few mistakes. And that's 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 a part of the game in my mind. Like it's I consider it, you know, being an athlete, like making those mistakes, that's practice. That's the practice that you do. You know, you know, you practice Monday through Friday. Saturdays are game day. You have 5 days to correct all your mistakes and then Saturday is game day where you you try putting it all together. So that's kind of the way I look at it and just I realize it gets frustrating and it can get frustrating in a hurry, but as long as you just, you know, keep telling yourself, you know, that one was, you know, 70%, the next one's going to be 75% better. Next one's going to be 80%, 90, 95 and then finally you're like boom, 100%. At that point you're like, okay, now I have now I'm here. Now I have this product, not necessarily mastered, but I have it down to where I can make it well enough to where I can sell this. Because I've, you know, you make it once, you know all the mistakes that you made, then you can, you know, you can replicate that. And replication again in manufacturing is the key. So,
0: yes. Sorry to interrupt the episode. You may have heard Ken and I talking recently about a new tool that we're using for Amazon refunds. Now, I have used other refund tools like this. However, I can tell you in the first seven days, they scrubbed the back end of my Amazon account going back 18 months and found $5,000 of refunds. And the nice thing about this is, it's my money. Amazon made a mistake and they are just auditing my account. The other thing I really like about this tool is there is no monthly fee. They only charge a commission if they are successful in getting you your money. Go to getida.com, G E T I D A, and enter promo code F T M for firing the man. F T M four hundred. This is an awesome tool. Can't say enough good things about it. Now back to the episode.
2: Ethan, as you've as you've launched a couple of these, you know, initial products, and, and you start getting some, mm-hmm. you know, some momentum. What's been one
1: of the biggest obstacles for you to to, to get a product launched? The the biggest obstacle that I've found, and Ken and I, we've talked about this before, that, that I found is just figuring out how to reach my audience. What what audience do I want? You know, I have brought my wife on board to start p- taking photos because it doesn't matter how good of a camera I have. I could try taking a selfie and it would still be blurry. <laughs> like It doesn't matter the camera I have. I, I don't know what it is, but I am inept when it comes to using a camera, figuring out, what you know keywords to use on on Etsy or or on you know Facebook marketplace whatever whatever platform that I'm selling on it's difficult for me to figure out okay this is you know what keyword do I need to use to hit this demographic because these are the people that are going to buy you know product x these are the people that's going to buy product y and i found that there's a couple of these online sites that can you have t- talked to me about one being and I don't know if I can say this on here, but one's E rank. And then the other one is, oh, what was the other one that you get? Oh, Etsy Plus. Yeah, Etsy Plus that I found that have helped a lot. But as far as, you know, difficulty that I'm still running into is, you know, I'm getting lots of people to click on my ads. It's just making that final, the, you know, round in third base. I can get them to third base. I just, I can't get anybody home.
2: That's great though. And, you know, in, in all uh, fairness, you know, you're you're an expert at, at your craft, right? Like, like making Mm -hmm. your products and doing those things. And then, so the other side of it is like, how do I, how do I sell this or how do I reach people? Uh, I I like that you're, you know, you're bringing some experts in on the, on the photographs. That's, that's awesome. And I, and as you expand, I would say, yeah, you know, anything that you're struggling with, yeah. You know, bring in experts and um, and stick to it. So
1: Mm -hmm. To, to expand on that, so I'm, I'm a huge history buff also, and I, I was listening to this podcast about FDR, and FDR's big saying was always, he's like, being the president of the United States, he's like, if I'm the dumbest person in a room, I did it right. Like his cabinet, he wants to surround himself with people that are smarter than him, and I've, I'm telling myself, I was like, you know what, I don't have an issue being the dumbest person in a room if, you know this person's an expert on photography, this person's an expert on SEO, this one, you know, Etsy ads, this one's an expert on whatever it is in my business that I need to do. If I, you know, surround myself with the right people, you're going to be, you know, you you set yourself up for being successful. And it, you know, there's not just one person that, you know, ever makes it successful, like being successful. Like, you know, there's always a support team around you. And, you know, thankfully, you know, I have a very supporting wife who loves, all of my you know they all start out as stupid hobbies you know she's like oh boy he's in the garage doing something else but you know she's always like you know she'll come up with project ideas for me too or you know things that i should i should sell on etsy and she's like this is a great idea and i know when she's excited about it i know it's like okay we're in this together you know we are a team you know let's move forward and you know keep going with it so nice yes
0: Now, Ethan, what advice would you give entrepreneurs that have a product idea that they want to build a company around? And if you can, try to answer this as a non-engineer, right? You know, if if you have an idea, (laughs) you're going to draw it up in CAD and you're going to put it on on the 3D printer or uh, in your CNC machine. But any any advice to somebody with an idea in their head that they're trying to get into production?
1: Yes. So do you want me to take them through like a step-by-step how I think they should get it from product to launch? Or do you want me to be like... This is how I would do it.
0: I would just say any, any pro tips that you could offer okay. that would get them from the starting line to at least being in touch with the manufacturer pointed in the right direction.
1: Okay, so from a non-engineer point of view, I would say, you know, if you have an idea and you feel very strongly about it, obviously pursue it. If you think it's going to do something, it could be big, it could be the next slice bread, go for it take it, do whatever you need to do to, to kind of take it there. And the first thing I would do is I'd find a mentor, find somebody who has been in the game because a, they can tell you what mistakes they made and what, and kind of lead you down the path to, you know, they started at step one, but they might be able to get you to start at like step four or five. Like That's not saying you're not going to make mistakes yourself, but just taking that first step of finding somebody kind of brainstorming with them, talking to them, reach out to them and be like, Hey, I have this idea. I have no idea how to make it or what to do with it. Like, what are your thoughts? You know, how do I get, take it, you know, move it, kick it down the path and, you know, do your research online, you know, Google, I here at work, you know, we're a room full of engineers. If we don't know how to do something, you want to know what we do? We Google it. (laughs) 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 And it's, people might say like, Oh, that, you know, that's, you know, that doesn't mean you know anything, but it's like, there's, some of the software that you use, and I'm sure, like Dave, you used to be an accountant, and Ken, you were in I- IT, correct? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's software that both of you use that you're like, I don't know how to do this. Maybe I just Google it, or I ask somebody else that knows it. And if I ask somebody that and nobody knows it, we sure as hell go to the, to the Google machine and we figure it out. So yeah, just do your research, figure it out, figure, you know, look up, you know, if you, what material you want it made out of, like, do you want it to be made out of wood? Do you want it made out of metal or plastic or, you know, not ferrous or non-ferrous just Google manufacturers and Google wood manufacturers, Google metal manufacturers, look up, you know, if it needs to be forged or casted, which you don't need to know that right now. Again, I, I, It's hard to not look at it from an engineer's perspective and I'm sorry, but diving in, you know, figure out how it needs to be made. That would be, you know, a big step is because then you can eliminate a lot of conversations where you talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, you're in the wrong place, bud." they might tell you you're in the wrong place now, but they might be like, Hey, but this guy, this, you know, John Doe knows exactly where you need to go. So it, it, can, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah, you might waste your time talking to this guy for five minutes, but those five minutes might've put you in contact with two other people. So that would be my advice. So Ethan, you, you mentioned earlier
2: on the show podcast and, and mentors. What, what are some of the resources as you're building your company that have been the most helpful for you?
1: So, you know, obviously a mentor. So I, I know David from... My wife and David went to high school together. So that's kind of how we grew that. So David, David is a mentor of mine. Ken, you're a mentor of mine. You and I have touched base a couple of times. I consider you both mentors, you know, because you guys have been there. You've been in my shoes and, you know, you're obviously much further down the path than I am. And you're able to give me a lot of great advice. Other resources that I use for if I'm figuring out, you know, being my own manufacturer, if I'm like stuck on something on how I don't know how to make it, I go to Google. I figure out how, you know, most, most of the times you can find something on YouTube or a lot of the products I make are out of wood. You can go on like there's woodsmith.com, there's woodworkersparadise.com and they have all sorts of, they have dozens upon dozens of, of videos on how to, on how to set things up, how to carve things how to you know, they kind of take you from, you know, from setting your machine up all the way to a finished product. As far as figuring out what products I want, I start kind of with myself, and I think like, okay, what what do I like? What would I do? What you know, what things do I use around my house that I think I could improve on, or what things on my house do I think is like, okay, this I think is made poorly. You know, I think I can make it better. Or what do I, you know, what do I think is cool? So then I I go to you know websites like Google Trends or E-Rank or you know again on the Google machine, you just kind of. You start at point A just kind of typing random things in. And then you f- go down this path and you find yourself kind of, you know, gaining knowledge on on, you know, what products are trending right now. What do you think you can sell? What can you make? What can you where can you find this? You know, you're buying X amount of wood from Menards, but you can get it cheaper here from this, you know, place in 10 minutes away. And there's small time wood manufacturer that also kiln dries their wood and does all these other things. You're like, why am I paying three times the price for wood at Menards when I can get it for this much cheaper at, you know, this community just down the road for me, like just do your research and you can, you can figure it out. And there are endless websites on, you know, pros and cons, and there's positives and negatives on every single one of them that, that kind of help you. But YouTube is probably the number one thing I use for helping me grow my business. Cause there's people on there all the time. Just, you know, they're vlogging about, you know, this is what I did here and it you know took my sales from a to b and it's like yeah you might not take your sales from $500 a month to $40,000 a month but like there might be bits and pieces of information in there that you're like okay I didn't think of that let me implement that and then you sit and you wait you're know, like okay what other pieces of information can I gain from this person from this person from all these other you know resources the internet Is like just it's a library. There's a lot of crap on there, but there's also a lot of really good stuff. And if you just dig, you dig enough, you you'll find some pretty, pretty beneficial resources on there. So
0: absolutely. You know, Ethan, one thing that has been a common theme throughout this show as we're talking to you is is you really seem to figure things out. And and Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And you know, it's it's kind of frustrating to hear some people say, like, I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And you know, as we stand here in 2021, like you really don't have an excuse. You can figure out how to do anything yeah. online. And yeah. it, it hasn't always been that way. You know, right. yeah, back, I know. In, back in the 50s, if, if you want to know how to drywall or mud or tape, <laughs> guess what? You got to know a drywaller. Right. You got to go watch them. Yeah. And so I, I really like hearing your story. And that ambition is, is something that is admirable. So
1: I appreciate that. It's a blessing and a curse. My dad, is the same way that I am. He'll never hire anybody to do anything. But his famous saying is always, I know enough to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That mean, you know, he that means, you know, he doesn't know when he's in over his head or he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't know when, you know, oh, I should stop here instead of being like, I'm gonna demo the bathroom and I'm gonna branch into this. I know enough to be dangerous, but you know, at the end of the day, if you break it down like engineering, that's exactly what it is you solve problems that haven't been solved before you figure things out that you're like, okay, you know, how can I make product a better? How can I make product? You know, what, what can I do to this to make it, you know, fit in your hand more ergonomically? How can I make this? So it cuts better. How can I make this? So inject any verb that you want. So like, how do you make it better? That's, that's exactly what it is. You figure out something, you, you take a problem, you find a solution for it.
0: So the next section of the show is called the coach's corner. This is uh, your opportunity to Ken or I with any questions that you may have as you navigate the world of e-commerce.
1: Yes. So I I was thinking about this earlier today and I was like what what questions can I ask, you know, Ken and and David on on what I what I need to do. And and you know, the question that I came up with, you know, every single time I'd be like, "Okay, this is my problem. You know, what's a good question I can ask is, you know, my sales aren't going up. So what what can I do to increase my sales? And you know, Ken and I had talked about this in the past. I was like, okay, first start with, you know, your SEO, the search engine optimization. Figure out what keywords will get me to my right demographic to, you know, find that person that will buy my product. And I was like, okay, I've started investing a lot of time into that and figuring out, okay, what what is my key demographic? How do I reach them? And then product photography, which is obviously it's still a work in progress. We're still trying to, you know, get there and, and get better photos and stuff. And Dave, you you've helped me with, you know, being able to take photos on myself and, and showing me some of these apps out there that they have that are like it takes my, you know, fuzzy selfie and it turns it into, you know, Brad Pitt, you know, something like that. So I'm not saying that, you know, Brad Pitt's the best looking out there, but <laughs> but yeah, I just it's it's been a little while and i just my my sales are are stagnant so i'm just curious you know what and i know that's a super broad question
0: i'll tell you um let me throw in a couple things and i'm sure ken has a couple other things but yes there's a lot of different directions that i could go on this but one thing that i'll say is i think what you're experiencing is normal you know on a lot of my product launches like if you're on if you spend a lot of time on youtube you'll hear of these people talk about 100,000 dollar product launches or million dollar product launches. And do I think those exist? Probably, but they're not as common as you would think. And so, you know, I've had, you know, one thing that that I would say is like, stick with it. I would say there's like a three to six month seasoning period. Okay. And so that's point number one. Point number two, and I think everybody can do this, is next time you're shopping on Amazon, be really conscious of what decisions you're making And why. And I'll I'll give you an example. When I'm on Amazon, I look at the photo. And I like if there's multiple photos, I'll flip through them. And if there's a video, I'll flip through that. And so that's something that you know, if you tend to the things that you pay attention to, most likely other people are paying attention to that. And then the last thing that I'll say, and I've been around you enough times when you've done this where you'll nerd out on I do it with accounting, you do it with engineering like really nerd out, like like talk about types of steel. And I'll tell you what, I think if you were to get in front of a camera and you were to des- describe in detail the process that you're going through and show the pile of, of ones that you screwed up that didn't make the cut, people like to see how the sausage is made. And I think like unveiling that curtain and, and showing people like, dude, not only am I making this, but I'm super passionate about making this And this may look like a wood product, but let me tell you about the type of wood, why I chose it, who I got it from. It's kiln dried, which means it's not going to flex. And all of a sudden, you know, you've taken something that you're passionate about and like get excited about Mm -hmm. and like shown the customer that. So anyway, that's a long winded coach's corner response, but, uh, I do, I, I think there's some value there. I, I wrote down nerd out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, So I'll, I'll piggyback a little bit off da-
2: uh, David and, and, and give a couple more things. So not to get super complicated, but I, and, and, and you might already have a, a website or not. Do you, you, do you have a website? No. Okay. I, just the Etsy page. Sure. So I would definitely say to, that would be on your list of, of getting what we call like a home base or, you know, or website, and then you can I, I also, so I really liked the, what David had mentioned, you know, you're an engineer and you make these things and you have a story, right? So mm-hmm. you have, you have something that people really like, like, like stories sell products, right? So okay. if you could document, you know, your, you know, t- video pictures, whatever, and then document that on your website, along with just a small catalog of your stuff, it gives an, another avenue, another way to make sales, right? And then mm-hmm. over the long-term you really want to drive your sales to your website because you're more profitable on there versus so Etsy's not going to get their cut. Yeah. But if you're good with camera or video, YouTube, absolutely. Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. I think all of those, you could test them, you know, set, set up, you know, maybe you could talk to your... Your partner, see if your wife, the one that does all the good pictures, you know, see if she could post them up onto some of those channels. See if you see if you get traction, right? Because at this point you're just kind of kind of testing the waters Mm -hmm. here and to see, see which one of those channels is going to provide a lot of traction for the least amount of effort, right? And so if you find one, then you can go all in on it. But I, I really like that that YouTube channel part. And then you can also repurpose that, those YouTube videos on your product pages and your website and social media and you know, any other social media channels to share your story. Cause once someone, you know, if someone's typing up, you know, X, 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 whatever your product is, and they see it on YouTube, YouTube is a search engine, right? So if they type yeah. up something and they, and it pops up there, then they see a video, you know, of you in there on your machines and, and making this. And then, you know, you're describing it and everything. And then there's a link right on there to go to your website and buy it. You know, that, that might, yeah. that, that might offer you a, hopefully that's a couple little things. And then lastly, yeah. I would like to say, kind of echo what David mentioned You know, this is kind of a, this is the long game and uh, it takes patience and it's not an overnight. So uh, definitely give yourself, you know, some credit for where you're at now and then just kind of just, you know, get some plans in motion, but definitely know that it takes, it takes a while for, especially if you're in kind of a niche market and you're just starting out, it's going to take a while for those sales to climb up.
1: Awesome. I appreciate that. Sure. Advice always helps. So. Absolutely.
2: David, anything else or do we get into the fire round? Let's get into the fire round.
1: <laughs> oh, do I need to limber up for this.
2: <laughs> oh, all right. Before we get into the fire round, Ethan, you said you were a two sport D1 athlete. What, what was the, um, so football and then you said a thrower.
1: Yes. So I threw, I threw discus. Discus. Yes. I was a discus thrower. Nice. Yes. So I played, I played outside linebacker and defensive end and then I was a discus thrower. Okay. Uh, So
2: this, this fire round is going to be very easy for you then. All right.
1: Let's see it. (laughs) All right. Lay it on me. What is your favorite book? Okay. So I had told David a book already, but guess what? I'm changing it up. It is the outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Reason being is because in that book is the rule of 10,000. And what the rule of 10,000 is, is you need to spend 10,000 hours doing something before you become a subject matter expert on that. And I I read this book in college and it has stuck with me that it's like, okay, in order to be an expert in something, you need to learn as much as you can about it. And they say that, you know, the rule of thumb is you need to spend 10,000 hours doing this before you become an expert on it. So that, that is why that is my favorite book. The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. There's a lot of other things in there, but that part stuck with me in particular. Excellent. I
2: like that one. What are your hobbies, Ethan?
1: Hobbies. I'm an avid woodworker. I like to tinker around the house. I love hunting and fishing, anything outdoors and anything that I can compete in, any sport, those are my hobbies.
2: Awesome, very competitive, huh?
1: Yes. Awesome. Uh, what, what do you think
2: sets apart successful e-commerce entrepreneurs from those who give up, fail or never get started?
1: In that question alone, the successful e-commerce entrepreneurs, like you guys said, stick with it. Like it, you said it yourself, it's a long game. So you just you stick with it and you keep going, you know, you you weather the storm. And once you can get through that and you start, it's like the snowball effect. You know, you start rolling with a tiny snowball. Once you get that going, you know, you coddle the baby, you keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling, eventually it grows into, you know, a massive snowball. So excellent. Yes.
2: Very cool. All right, David,
1: you want to close out the show? Yeah, Ethan. How can people get a hold of you? I will send you email is the best way to get a hold of me. So I'll you know, you can leave a link in, in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, yeah. Otherwise you can find me on, on social media. It's you just search my last name. I'll be the only one that pops up.
0: Well, oh, very nice. Yeah. We'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Awesome.
1: I appreciate it.
0: But Ethan wanted to thank you for being a guest on the firing the man podcast and good luck in your future endeavors. Thank you for everything. Ken and David. Yeah.
1: Yep. Thanks, right.
2: Ethan.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library lastly check us out on social media at firing the man in on youtube at firing the man for exclusive content this is david Schomer
2: and ken wilson
0: we're mm-hmm. out Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A.com and enter promo code ftm four hundred. That's F-T-M for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission-free. How much money does Amazon owe you?